0: a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll.
1: So welcome to Breaking Banks Europe, the number one fintech radio network. This is episode 214, Ecosystem Zoom In, the Nigerian Ecosystem. My name is Elizabeth Kleinfeld, and today I have with me Tunde and Uwam. And could you please introduce yourselves?
2: Hi, I'm Tunde, CEO of online which is a financial data connectivity gateway to African emerging markets.
3: Hi, I'm OM, Head of Investments at Launch Africa. Launch Africa is probably one of Africa's most active investors on the continent. with over 140 portfolio companies.
1: How many portfolio companies?
3: 140.
1: Wow, that's really a lot. Congratulations for that. So um, before we get started, it, it would be nice if each of you tell a little bit more about what you're doing, just to give the the bit of the background, like the problem EDOC solves and um, the kind of startups that y'all are investing in with Launch Africa. Yeah? So let's start with EDOC first, and then we go to you, and then we'll dive in.
2: All right, great. Uh, so we're solving the, data, the problem we're solving, basically EDOC is building a Pan-African data infrastructure to solve the limited access of uh, financial data uh, for market access. And we're using that. So essentially what we're building is basically open banking for Africa, the pipeline. And we're using it to solve use cases such as credit checks, um, know your customer for uh, enhanced due diligence check, which is required for um, high-risk markets, and um, we're also looking at payments as well. And one of the things that we also are doing is we built a proprietary machine learning model, which allows us to basically categorize data um, and it eliminates the risk of what people would normally use in this market, which is textual descriptions for classifying data, which is fraught with um, errors and um, can be banks. easily manipulated.
1: So did I understand that you're already connected to 14 Nigerian banks?
2: Yes we are connected to 13 Nigerian banks 13? giving us access to uh 70 million uh banking customers yes
1: that's huge thank you for that and um let's let's hear a little bit more about Launch Africa before we launch into what's changed in the Nigerian ecosystem in the past 3 years
3: thank you Elizabeth uh, Launch Africa is a pan african pc um we invest across all sectors, which means that we are not particularly selective. As long as the business is enabled by tech, we invest from pre-seed to Series A now, and we're on our second fund. We are raising a seventy-five million dollars seed fund two to continue doing actively investing across the continent.
1: Um, and, and just for people to know, you are based in Africa, correct? I mean, in Nigeria.
3: Correct. We are based in Africa. So we're a very distributed team um, because our our mandate is Pan-African. So we have presence in Nigeria, Mauritius, South Africa, Kenya, and Ghana.
1: But you're based specifically in Nigeria or not?
3: Mm, I'm based in Nigeria, yes.
1: Yeah, okay. Because just for folks to have a sense of where where y'all are operating from when we talk about uh, the ecosystem, Um, we did... Speak about the Nigerian ecosystem in a session that my colleague Mateo did a little over three years ago. And so I'm real curious to hear y'all's thoughts on how the ecosystem has evolved over the past three years. And when you talk about it, it'd be great to hear it on the one hand from the founder's perspective, but on the other hand from the investment um, side.
2: The ecosystem has evolved um, over the last couple of years. I'll be able to talk about pre COVID. And after COVID, so what you have is you you do have a lot of um, young founders, um, and they're building a lot of um, good. Um, a lot of, they're building a lot of good solutions and addressing key problems that we have in our markets. I think the key thing that I will point out that you you know the 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 solutions that I think have evolved or are better are the ones that are now actually looking for problems. And you know, solving a major problem, but using technology as a touch point to solve some of those problems. Whereas in the past, what I would say is that you had people who were just going to build technology and trying to find a problem.
1: Okay, so solutions load. looking for problems versus somebody first understanding what the problem is and um pinpointing it. So do you see that too, when when, when you've been looking at startups in the in the past four years? Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Um, one thing about the Nigerian ecosystem of founders is, is that they are hustlers. They like to build. But one thing that they've been doing of recent is now trying to scale outside uh, the country. So you, you begin to see fintechs or even general businesses begin to say, hey, how do I service my customer base in Ghana, in Togo? How do I move into Francophone Africa? And that's something that we're beginning to see more of as um, founders begin to chase scale.
1: And I have seen within your portfolio that there were a lot of really good fintech solutions. So is is that still something that you're seeing that um, Nigeria has a lot of good fintech solutions to offer? And if so, have there been more changes from like a, a B2C to a B2B space or any other uh, areas?
3: Yeah, as um, consumer expense continues to reduce because of inflation and devaluation, we're beginning to see more founders pivot to focus on b2b um so the business models that we're seeing nowadays are mostly b2b or b2b to c and um, more founders are trying to build infrastructure that enables the traditional ways of doing business so it's more like how do we build an, a back office or how do we build an operational model behind the scene that enables other businesses to succeed. so we're begin, we're seeing more of that but um and then another thing we see is founders building, more of the same thing, thinking that they, I mean, the other founders didn't couldn't figure it out. So they could figure it out. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily work um, because you just have duplicates of the, the same business models or the same businesses chasing it doing import of customers. Um, but at, at the end of the day, um, what we are also, also seeing is more experienced founders leaving corp- their corporate jobs, living their corporate environments and building solutions based off the experience in, in the corporate environment.
1: That's certainly the case with Tunde.
3: Yes, that's that's definitely the case. Obviously, um, with
2: over 15 years banking experience, having have worked for practically all of the UK banks and across products that have practically impacted every single household. So we've now taken that experience and now using it to solve some of the biggest problems in Nigeria and in the African continent as well.
1: So... I think when you got started, you were focusing on source of funds. So where are these funds coming from? Um, And and through open banking, you could be able to verify on the one hand, if somebody was immigrating from Nigeria to another country. Yes, they have the funds um, so they can get a bank account earlier instead of waiting um, you know, six months or longer to to be able to have a, an account. And then on the other hand, if they've been in the UK, maybe like you for 15 years, but they want to buy a house um in, in Nigeria, where is that, where are those funds coming from? So that was one problem you were looking at solving in the beginning. Is are there some others that you've added to it?
2: Yes. So initially we were looking to solve uh the regulatory obligations for proof of funds for remittances, which a lot of remittance companies are currently not adhering to, which is probably one of the single biggest risks. So just to give some more context, I'll probably say, you know, your customer is one of the biggest, single biggest risks of the African ecosystem. As much as you have all of these great founders building all of these nice solutions, a lot of them are not adhering to um, what I will say is global standards um, regulations, especially when you look at the remittance market where you are, you know, you have to do regulatory commission uh, obligations for the source of funds. That's where we initially started from. And then we also wanted to look at immigrant banking, where you see a lot of large um, you know, outflow of Nigerians going to Canada to the UK and often struggle to access financial services or even credit and have to pay more for utilities, whether it's for their phone service, having to go on prepaid utilities, having to pay uh, rent for six months. And we initially wanted to solve that. Uh, but we actually stumbled on a niche market, which was the credit um. Credit check, credit assessment checks, because we had to establish people's proof of funds and we used our AI model, looking at large language models and clusters, we're able to stumble on a local market for credit assessment, which is what we're now looking to expand into other uh, markets like uh, Kenya as well.
1: Nice. So let's talk about the risk appetite of investors for a moment, Um, because investors in Nigeria are different from investors in Europe or those in the U.S. And um, typically, I have, uh, being an American here, living in in Amsterdam, I see that you know people want more proof um, before they invest, and that people are, are more risk averse and afraid of failure. Whereas in the states, you know, if, if you haven't failed once or twice, we're afraid to give you money because we think you're going to make the mistakes. Um, because you, you don't know. So how's it like in uh, Nigeria and has it changed at all?
3: I would say that uh, the risk aversion has reduced over time, um, but we need to remember that the Nigerian ecosystem is quite sense, quite new Um, VC funding took off 2014, 2015. So we just had seven, eight years of figuring out what um, venture capital is and investing in startups. Most Nigerian high worth individuals are comfortable investing in traditional businesses, you know, brick and mortar businesses, oil and gas and all the that. So when you take, you, you go, you try to raise a fund from them or try to raise as a startup, because it's not something that's tangible, they struggle to, um, they struggle to connect. We, also, we should not also forget that um, what motivates most investors is um, fear of missing out, right? So as investors, and I'm, I'm talking to investors right now, we also need to show proof, and proof comes from distribution. How much returns are we giving back to the LPs and investments? It is that liquidity that um, sort of encourages the local investors to invest. So are we seeing more local investors play in the game? Yes. Is it at the level that I, I would be proud of? I would say no. But what, one of the things we're also seeing is founders, you know, when they have their little liquidity from their secondary events or their little exits, they they come back to the ecosystem to invest in younger founders. And I think that that's quite encouraging. And that, that is also helping people see the value of investing in startups.
1: I think that's really important. And we also have seen that at Startup Bootcamp, that some of the founders who had exits – you know, um, two, three years ago come and and join our fund and support the the other founders um, that are starting the programs. And and sometimes they even have time to be mentors. Um, If we look at the areas within fintech that are typically hot um, to, you know, invest in, or that you see a lot of action in in terms of the startup scene, but what would they be?
3: I, I would try to group um f- fintech investing in in in, in say in, under the, the categories of savings lending and probably services um we already have quite a number of incumbents in the saving aspects we have the Coda banks we have the Piggyvest, vest um, um, we have the cavalry um so we do have quite a big incumbents any other person building that space is building a crowded space i would say there is more um Investments going into lending because I mean, like like Tini had mentioned, credit scoring is still a big, big problem, right? Um, and you know, profiling and determining who best to give credit is a big problem. And we're also seeing an increase in lending to small businesses and SMEs, so um, that that is hot among the investors. And then you know, in, in fintech services, you know, um, fintechs that are building you know backrooms for for credits, facilities, or you know, digitizing typical backrooms for um community savings or um bookkeeping, we're beginning to see more investors invest in that space. So under those three categories, yeah, there are quite a number of investors that are investing across those verticals.
1: I have also recently spoken to um another startup bootcamp company called eTro, no, Trove Finance. And It seems like they're really helping um, people who, you know, don't have the $10,000 to open an account to now from a dollar because of their partnership with Drive Wealth, be able to invest in um, the the U.S. stock exchange or invest in bonds or ETFs, whereas the U.S. markets were not accessible um, for them before, let's say, they, they... Trove um, offered this solution. Yes, Do
3: you see- yeah, I, I I know them quite well, and I will still categorize them under savings, and I'll explain why. Um, mm-hmm. Most Nigerians right now, because of the devaluation, are looking for ways to hedge, and wealth management platforms like Trove, like the Bamboos, like the Rise Vest, offer that opportunity for um, people to hedge their bets and sort of protect themselves against currency devaluation. So yes, we're beginning to see more people, you know. Um, build in that space. Um, I'm, there is a company called Keble that I spoke to some days, I mean months ago, um, who are a prop tech, but I also say a savings and fintech because what they do is help people buy fractional real estate. Um so we're beginning nice. to see people get creative in that in in that
1: space. Very nice. And um like Tindy working on KYC type of stuff. Do you see, you know, RegTech is something that's also hot, or is there are there less, is there less action on that uh, space.
2: So for us, um, there is a lot of action on on RegTech. I think um, so. For us, we use data. You know, we're data infrastructure, but we use data to solve different use cases. Uh, regulatory technology is very hot right now. It's going to be, I think, in the next three to five years um very hot in terms of because of the regu- um re- you're going to see regulations yeah more,
1: more and more
2: it's crazy regulations you, you can see that in nigeria already there's um the central bank has been clamping down on all the banks uh there's a new fintech regulation uh uh fintech regulation probably you know coming um on a global perspective you see there is um, upcoming legislation on, on cryptocurrency that's going to start looking at. Um, and, and those are the areas that we're going to address. So, you know, we're well positioned because of we have the data to help, whether it's for KYC, know your customer, know your business. You're going to see more stringent regulation, especially around moving funds around uh, AML, ter- you know. So that RegTech is, I'll say, mid-warm right now, but it's going to be super hot in the next three to five years.
1: I think you're, you're right. It's a um, reg tech. I mean, I just see all these new regulations coming, not just in um, your part of the world, but also over here and the burden on banks uh, becomes so tremendous. And for anyone who's worked in a bank, we know they're like, you know, oil tankers, they're really hard to move around, but all these smaller vehicles that they can work with, um, they're the they're startups, the scale-ups they enable them to do things they couldn't do otherwise. Um, I would love to find out since the pandemic, Nigeria has become less cash-based than it was before.
2: Uh, Yes. So there's more, you have more digital solutions. I think that was also largely because of um, there was the, the central Central bank of Nigeria tried to, you know, reduce the cash and reduce the dependency on cash. And there are more digital solutions now. You see more people focused on payments, whether it's offline payments, uh, not just looking at payments uh, through smartphones, but also trying to serve the underserved, looking at mass market. So you have more digital solutions. You have um, companies like MoneyPoints that are now bringing more POSs into the market. Um, So it's a lot easier to use your cards. And I would say that if you look at pre-COVID and COVID now, there's probably a high percentage um, that have gone from you know cash-based to more digital. I would say a huge chunk of the population, if, if we go back five, 10 years, you couldn't pay your drivers, you couldn't pay um, your artisans, you couldn't pay them in a bank account and they were all cash-based. But now I would say a good 90% of them are being paid through their bank accounts. At least I'm talking about staff that be you know, employed by private
3: individuals now.
1: You see that uh, trend as well? Hum?
3: Yeah, I, I do and um... It's not just because um, the Central Bank of Nigeria tried to reduce the number of, um, you know, the amount of cash in circulation. I would say that, um, you know, with the increased mobile penetration, um, with more people having access to a smartphone and having access to um, cheap data, um, we're beginning to see that um, more people are open to trying out digital um, tools or digital channels for, you know, moving cash. And um, we're we, we also seeing more e-commerce platforms um, emerge. Um, and this is moving away from the, the, the incumbents like Jumia and Konga. We have smaller e-commerce stores um, led by the growth of the, the likes of Clasher and Bompa. So we're beginning to see more people engage in e-commerce. And when you do that, obviously, um, the mode of payment oftentimes uh, um, is through digital channels. And there is there is more, more of a there's a big effort into bringing the on un, the un, banks into you know into financial services. Uh, and that has taken quite a, a lot of effort and a lot of time. but like Tonda mentioned the likes of money points, the likes of paga uh, you know with the, through their agency models have made you know bringing those people that typically didn't have access to financial products into the financial net um, by, through their services. Yeah. I'm curious.
2: Keeps- uh, agency banking is now huge in Nigeria. And, you know, just to give more context, agency banking, which is where people don't have to go to a cash machine to withdraw. They can basically go to someone on the road that has a cash machine, swipe their card and get funds out of it. And now you're seeing more people get access to that. And that is huge now, giving people more access to, you know, to funds or access to cash um, yeah, to funds right?
1: So I think it would be interesting if um, you told us a little bit about some of the movers and shakers because you're mentioning names like MoneyPoint. I think you mentioned Bamboo and and Cuda, but maybe in the past, uh, you mentioned PaySac or PiggyVest, FlutterWave. Could you tell us a little bit about how you would cluster some of these companies? And if, like we saw with Trove finance and drive wealth. Are any of them beginning to, you know, have strategic partnerships with one another? Because I always find that interesting. Who do, who partners with whom, and and how does that enable um, the end user to have more access, um, like Tunde was just saying, with, with agency banking or, or to to other things that they didn't have access to before.
3: We we we're seeing quite a number of movers and shakers. Um, so for agency banking, you again. Money points would always come up because they've done very, very well in the last one, two years. You have another company called Traction Apps. Um, and then you have OP, right? OPE with their watches from China has done extremely well in building out their agency banking model, reducing transaction fees, and ensuring, enabling more and more people to easily um, receive and send money just through their mobile phone number. So we've seen quite a number of um, these payment processors do quite well. In terms of um, wealth management and savings, we've spoken enough about Trove, we have Bamboo, we have RiceVest, um, um, and and most of them actually do this in partnership with Drive World. Um, um In the SME lending space, we have... Um, an SME banking I'd probably put them together. Probably have um Fair Money, which is quite big. We have um I mean Kuda Bank is now beginning to they had they now have a business banking side. We have Brass Bank. Um and then we have uh oh forgotten this name Lenco quite quite doing quite well too in 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 the market. I, I, I I'd allow the loud Sunde if you remembers any right now just wear blank I,
2: I so when you talk about Moves and shakers I kind of like scale ups one that I particularly like is MoneyPoint uh, sorry I said MoneyPoint Money obviously MoneyPoint they're doing huge numbers but MoneyAfrica I think um, you know I've seen you know their their knowledge of the market what they've been able to do with community banking understanding the the you know the the users in Nigeria that the first thing you have to do is not just solve a problem through technology but you have to establish trust with your users and, you know, just their knowledge of community banking and what they've been able to do in the last 18 months has been very good. So I tend to look at more scale-ups to see who are the, you know, it's not just the the big players, but who are the up-and-coming that are, you know, doing, you know, damage in the, in, in, in the company, in the country or in that in the ecosystem. And you see new entrants that are building new solutions that you see are, are you know, doing quite well. There's a company called iPurvee that is using open banking to solve um, airline compensation, which is a huge problem in Africa where a lot of flights are being delayed, but no one's addressing that. Uh, There's a company called Deep Loop that is looking at sentiment analysis, which I also think is going to be the next area for marketing. Uh, There's another company called Tech1M that looks at um, HR and EdTech. So there are a lot of Nigerian founders that are building good solutions that I think over the next two, three years, are going to be major players in the market.
1: Tell me a little bit more about community banking and and how that works.
2: Uh, So in terms of community banking, it's basically, and that's a very good question because I think a lot of people have gone wrong in terms of we have 900 microfinance banking or 800 microfinance banks in Nigeria. But community banking is basically going to a community, getting a community leader where you can basically get deposits, but at the same time, you can lend to them. Or you basically establish trust with that community. Um, and it used to be a very manual-based system where it was all paper-based where I would go in find the lead-over community. And let's say, for instance, we talk about a market where there are like 500 people. You get that leader of that community. That could be your rallying point, and you establish trust, and you could basically go in and collect um, savings off of them. But then the key part of it was that if they needed a loan, they could access that. Um, so what you call your core banking, they could access um, a loan off of that. But I think it's been very challenging in Nigeria because of the attrition. Um, a lot of people collect loans from multiple banks, so it's very difficult. But, you know, you are now seeing new models where – and I think there was a rush to digitize this. And I know this because um, I, I was able to uh, get a microfinance bank. Uh, you know, about seven years ago and we tried, you know, and the bank is still operational, but it was one of the, you know, you know, we tried to lend to them and we understood the pain points, but I think a lot of people have rushed to digitalize that process without understanding the pain points. And I think that's when I mentioned, you know, like com- com- companies like Money Africa have been able to get it right by understanding that you only automate certain touch points and you cannot automate, you know, the full.
1: Yeah, process. sure. The reason I was
3: yeah, I, I, I just wanted to add um to what we, we've we've actually missed out on talking of startups that are leveraging on blockchain and this time I just connected to financial services. Um FX does that quite well. Um they help people move money locally and internationally. And then I recently spoke to a company called MeCash, two female founders, amazing. And yes. what they do is also, you know, I move love money it. around without even interacting with the cryptocurrency or blockchain. I think that that's also one of the future for um, fintechs across the continent. I think yes, you're
2: right uh, about that. Little and I have both spoken to Mikash, uh, and we, like a uh, co-founder, you know, they're doing, you know, what they're building is amazing as well. So I would agree with Oem on that.
1: Very cool. So um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about movers and shakers in terms of a startup scene. Who are the ones that are investing in these um, startups before they com- become scale-ups um, and uh, can you pinpoint on on the one hand the ones that are angels doing the really early like pre-seed and, and then who's doing some seed or series A just so we understand that landscape a little bit better.
3: Uh, I would say that over the years um, they've really increased from angels like Tommy Davies who heads the um, Lagos Angel Network and the Africa Business Angel Network. There's now you know, a concentrated group of people that are in, in, investing locally. Um, there is Ulumide Ulu, 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 Shuyungbo, who now has a venture. Um, 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 we have a ventures platform led by Kola um We had Future Africa led by Inya Aboyeji. We have quite a number, to be honest. Um, Launch Africa, unable to mention. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Micro traction. So in, in Nigeria, we have quite, you know, quite some active investors. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and and just to add that, we also have founders that are also investing. So we have um, Benga of um, Flutter. We've actively investing in 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 startups. We have Abdul of Monu. Monu is another fintech that I I, I I should have mentioned earlier. Um, who is also actively investing so we have quite a number of founders that have you know raised big rounds also reinvesting at that angel stage
1: that's really nice um, um there were some other questions i wanted to ask about the uh, state of the incumbents and in the past maybe they were less likely to work with fintechs and maybe now They're um, seeing that the fintechs aren't trying to compete with them, but maybe offer them solutions. Can somebody speak to this?
2: I would say, um, so we've been able to establish, you know, um, very good relationships with with the banks. So the banks are more open now to working with uh, fintechs. One of our biggest promoters is Wemmer Bank. Um, They, you know, we're, we're working with them with a number of products and the banks are more open now. I think initially they saw fintech as a threat and we're not so forthcoming, with working with fintechs, but now you see more banks open to fintechs and you see the banks also setting up their fintech arms, but I think there's more collaboration and you're going to see more collaboration, more consolidation and more partnerships in the market because I think people realize that it's easier to work together than to compete. I could give an example, uh, you know, we do credit assessment, but we're now working with um, a company called ID. Who does um, ID and um, they do ID and um, address validation, KYC, which is a textual part of it, because the regulation requires that you physically have to verify um, when opening a a bank account, you have to verify where the applicant lives. And they're now using GIS. And we've realized that it's easier to give a one stop solution rather than to have um, a customer to
1: API.
2: Yes, absolutely.
3: Well, um, just to add to that, um, thank thankful for everybody, and like you, Tunde, um, who have you know been building building integrations and APIs that would help you know banks not just think about building their products themselves, but also actively look out for at how they can integrate with third party solutions that helps them do the job better. Um, but we've gone through the phase where banks all they did was copy and try to build their version in house. But that failed over time. I wouldn't mention the name of the bank, but there are quite some big, popular <laughs> banks that were notorious for doing that. And um, before they then realised that um, co- collaborating w- was a better approach and save them money and time to market. Um, so we're now in that phase where. And, and thanks to regulations, um, banks are now seeing startups less as con- competitors and more as co- collaborators. This is not to say that um, there a lot of these banks don't behave like sharks and try to swallow up the, the startups. But I mean, the there, there is less competition and more, you know, figuring out ways they can collaborate and ways that they can acquire um, these these startups.
1: I was just smiling because I see that over here too. So you know that. Uh banks at first being afraid and and then seeing they, they're just not gonna be able to solve these problems all themselves because it takes them too long and um they, they, they don't have the agility that the the startups have so working together is the name of the game um that, my next question is about events the uh, places to be in the local ecosystem that uh people need to know about be they investors um you know, they, or if they're a startup that wants to, uh, to be seen, where where would they go? Is there one or two events that you say, these, these are the ones you need to be at?
2: I would say Moonshot. Um, I think uh they had Moonshot event last November, and it was just incredible. You had the likes of, uh, you had big players, not just African players, just, you know, you had NotScan, you had... um People from Techstars, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, it was well organized, you know, the access you had to speaking to people. I I remember, I think, OM, UM, you were a speaker at that event as well. Mm-hmm. It was one of the better events you had, not just the, you know, you had the scale ups, you had the major players and it was easily accessible to have conversations. Uh, so I would say Moonshot by, you know, that's the one event I would tell everyone not to miss.
3: Um, I agree with him. Um, I think that for founders and investors and people that are interested in the ecosystem, I think that everybody's now hungry to attend not just networking events, but events that they can gain something tangible from, where you have active players of the ecosystem coming to share their stories genuinely and interact genuinely, and Moonshots by Tech Cabal was one of them and is still going to be there this year. Um, I think that um, Lagos Tech Fest is happening sometime in February. Um, There is another one that for for the life of me, I cannot remember the name, but um, Africa Startup Festival also happening sometime in November.
1: Nice. So is there something that we didn't touch upon that maybe we talked about earlier that I forgot to ask? Because if so, now's the, the time. If you feel like we covered everything, then I'm gonna say thank you.
2: I think it'll be good if you don't mind. that I mean, go, on, go on. I think it'll be good for people to understand, you know, what kind of companies um Wim is investing, ticket sizes, what areas he's looking for. I think that'll be good for listeners to understand, you know, so they know nice. and how they can easily yeah.
3: reach as well, Wim, just in case. Okay. Um Again, Launch Africa invests um, at the very early stage from pre-seed to pre-series A, and and now a bit of series A as we raise our second fund. We're not just looking for fintechs, but we're looking for um, businesses that are basically... Building infrastructure for, for the traditional ways of doing businesses. Um, we are very fintech heavy, which means we actually love fintech. Since this is a fintech uh, podcast, um, we like to invest in B2B, B2B to C business models. And that's because um, I mean there's faster route to market. There's more customer lifetime value out of that um, business model. And, and I think that the revenue streams are more sustainable. Um, our average check size is about 300K. And and then we invest up to a million dollars in follow on. I think that's pretty much it. And um, you always can always come reach out to me. I'm always available. Social media, email, and I'll respond to you and we'll have a chat. Yeah, and
2: I think you mentioned a fantastic point. Eh? We even though this is a, a fintech podcast, we've now seen a lot of um, investors and a lot of people shifting away from fintech, where it was so heavily focused, or solutions were so heavily focused on fintechs. We're now seeing the ed tech, the HR tech. So we're now seeing a lot of shift away from just the fintech market. So I I think you're going to see more people less focused on fintech and more and less fintech solutions over the next two to three years, and you're going to see other areas come in. So I think fintech is not going to dominate the market as it used to. Yeah, I,
3: yeah sorry. Just wanted to add that um, um, for me, the way I see fintech and where we see it as Launch Africa, is that fintech exists at the intersection of D- different industries now. Exactly. If you're yeah. going to formalize and digitize the insurance industry, there's going to be a bit of fintech because you have to, you know, sometimes you might have won't have a wallet on, on the app, you have to collect payments and all that. It's the same thing with, um, over mentioned insurance, micro insurance, same thing with health tech and all. You find that fintech tends to play at the intersection of, of all, this, all these verticals. And what happens is that. Some founders assume that hey, let's build the fintech arm and forget that the core industry you're trying to digitize needs you need to figure that industry out. And so they end up being called fintechs and build their models around being a fintech, and in, 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 at the end of the day, don't don't success, succeed long term. But just to add, now we're beginning to see more people. Um, or build their build their startups as an AI company. I mean I'm, I'm sure you every time you look at pictures, everybody saying AI based this, AI based that, AI-based spend management system, AI-based blah, blah, blah. But um more importantly, what what I, I'd, I'd like to see, I'm, I mean, and I'm just you know talking, saying this is people actually figuring out how their business makes money before actually overlaying this extra technology on it. Because if your Absolutely. business model doesn't make sense, then Nothing. whatever you're building, yeah, yeah, it won't
1: work. I think that's a very good point. Hey, thank you all for adding that. Um, I would like to thank you for being part of this episode and would you know like to see in another couple of years how things have changed. But as you know, I'll be keeping up with you um, in between. So thanks so much and looking forward to speaking to you again soon.
0: Thanks. Awesome.